0: hey guys this is dustin langley i'm the senior pastor at peninsula life church here in gig harbor washington and this is our podcast be sure to subscribe so you can get these new sermons every week hope you have a blessed day oh, good morning peninsula life church good morning it is a good morning this is the final message in our commander-in-chief series covering the three offices Of Christ. Do you remember those offices yet? Prophet. Priest. And today is Jesus as king. This one to me seems a little more... I don't know, able to comprehend. Because we we read about it and, and we, we call him king because we see the scriptures. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He is the righteous king. He is the king to come and he's also coming back as king, right? To rule and reign. But how many of you know that Christ is not just going to rule and reign one day? He's ruling and reigning right now. And so he's not like any earthly king. He's not like the kings that have Come before us. He's not like any other king that may come later on. You know, we like. I mean, we have the royal the royal families now. Does anybody does anybody actually care? Uh, I can't I didn't think so. Um, princes, princesses. Can anybody think of any names? Can they throw that out there? Again, nobody cares so exactly. But when it comes to royalty, there is no other nobility, anybody who is more noble, nobody who is more royal, nobody who is more supreme or more great, there is nobody higher than Jesus Christ. He came to earth not just as a baby in a manger. He came to earth not just as a docile lamb. He came to earth as the supreme king of the earth, where he not only ruled and reigned in his ministry, it may have not seemed that way because of the lowly lifestyle that he lived, but there was nobody more powerful than Jesus who was able to heal with a word or even with a touch, amen? But there are kings who have been ascribed greatness, who have been given these titles, and they don't perform to the title, but Jesus performed every step of the way when he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And so, you know, I think of different movies like The Lion King, and how do we announce the coming of a king? What's the best way of doing it? Do we need to get up on a rock and hold 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 him up like this? Should Mary and Joseph have done this to announce Jesus' coming? Should he have had a parade? Should we have had some type of, I don't know, party when Jesus came? No, he didn't come with that type of royalty or that type of party or that type of prestige. He came humble and in a manger. And one author writes this in regard to the kingship of Jesus Christ. He says, the kingship of Christ is the rule of Christ. Christ's rule is seen in his creating and preserving the world. He rules in the church, particularly as his people follow his lordship, but he rules now in an exalted state, which will be revealed at his return when all will be under his rule, whether willingly and eagerly or unwillingly and reluctantly. And this is the way that I see Jesus. He is the king that cares for us all, who is righteous and just, who rules and reigns now, but he will also rule and reign again one day because in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16, the Bible says on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of lords, There is nobody greater than Jesus because Jesus is the promised king for humanity. He is the promised king for us. We have looked for the king in human beings. We have looked for the king in men. We have looked for royalty in both men and women. And we haven't found anybody perfect enough to achieve what we've been looking for. But Jesus is the promised king for humanity. He is the Messiah who would come through the line of King David, right? So not only was there an earthly kingdom in Israel that was established, through this earthly kingdom would come an eternal kingdom because Jesus came from the same bloodline as King David from the Old Testament. How many of you know that? I know First Service is all my scholars. I already know you know this. I already know that. But it says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, And verse 16, and your house, so this is the prophet speaking to David, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Do you think David even comprehended what that could have meant? What teenage boy would fully understand that type of prophecy given over them? David was probably sitting there like, yeah, I'm gonna have some gold and some horses. (laughs) And I'm going to have a castle, right? What was David thinking when this was given to him? Because if I was a teenager given this type of prophecy, you better bet I would be thinking those types of things. But who could fathom the fact that the kingdom of God would come through the natural kingdom of Israel, but not even that through the bloodline of David. I can't imagine David fully understood what was being spoken over his life, but the promise of Jesus was given. And then we see later on that it was confirmed in the gospel writings, right? This promised king to come was even established by the as some of the gospel writers like Matthew and Luke because we see Matthew writing in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 1, which is confirming this genealogy of Jesus from David. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of David of Abraham linking Jesus Christ all the way back. This this is why many of the Old Testament books and even in Matthew, you see him starting off with the genealogy because it matters, right? It matters where you came from. It matters who you are because how else do you trace back to royalty? How else do you trace back to... To any type of significance in a family. Like you can say it, but if you don't have any, you know, if you don't have a paper trail, or I should say that time it was an an oratory type of passing down, right? But if you didn't know who your ancestors were or where you came from, nobody believed you. And so Matthew was confirming when he was writing that yes, Jesus Christ The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So now we have confirmation even in the Old Testament that the king would come through the bloodline of David, given from the prophet to David. And now we have even Matthew writing before the birth of Jesus that Jesus would come also from this bloodline. And then we see in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, it it is written here, he... He being Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. Oh man, I read it and I just get excited because we're just building it right now. All right? We're just building it all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and we see the track record now of the history of Jesus and who he was linked to and what type of kingdom would be established through Jesus. It wasn't just going to be an earthly kingdom. It was going to be a kingdom that would have no end. Church Right? Jesus' kingship doesn't cease to exist just because he died on a cross and ascended into heaven. To his kingdom, there would be no end, the Bible says. Which is why right now, he rules and reigns even to this day, but Jesus even said it with his own words about his kingship and how he would have all authority here on earth. We see in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches, for I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. We have the Old Testament prophets, we have the disciples of the New Testament, and we have Jesus himself proclaiming the bloodline of David, establishing not only his earthly kingship, but his deity forevermore. Not only now, but forever. Christ is ruling and reigning right now, church, even, even when we don't see him. He is doing things and we don't even know it. He is making miracles happen on our behalf. He is working out your marriage. Even may, You may not be a partner in that right now, but he's gonna come around. He's gonna make it happen. He's gonna soften hearts if we allow the Holy Spirit to do that. Jesus is still ruling and reigning right now through the power of of his Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus is king, what does that mean? Because the definition of an earthly king means this, right? They're sovereign or they're a monarch. They're a man who holds the chief authority over a country or even a people. They're a person or thing that is preeminent in its class. That's the definition of a king. And so when I hear that, I'm like, that sounds like a lot of authority. Well, that's why we've titled this series Commander-in-Chief because it just so happens Jesus has a lot of authority, even more than any president of the United States more than any dictator that exists all over this world, more than any king from the Old Testament, more than any Roman emperor found in the New Testament, Jesus Christ has more authority because not only does he have authority on earth, he has all authority in heaven. And it says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, oh, that's a bold claim, isn't it, church? And you know what? Because because the the Romans heard that, because the Jews heard that, they didn't like that very much because they thought, well, who are you to give all this authority to yourself? right? Who are you to give all this authority to yourself? Jesus, you're just a Jew. You're just a carpenter. You're no big deal. Well, Jesus, it just so happens not only did he claim it, it was proclaimed over him. It was prophesied over him. It was promised through the bloodline of David to him. So not only did he have an earthly right, he has a heavenly right because it was bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, right? He is king of kings and Lord of lords. The lordship and the kingship of Jesus Christ is greater than any person, anything, any law, any instruction that we'll find here on earth. And as king, we have to realize that Jesus, not only is he just ruling and reigning in the heavens, he is ruling and reigning within his church right now. Jesus is ruling it right now in this church. Church, He is ruling and reigning right now because what is church? It's not the building, it's us, right? Jesus is ruling and reigning in his church right now. He's sovereign as king and he gives gifts to his church, right? If a king is able to be sovereign over all, to govern all, to make the laws, to establish the kingdom, to tell people what to do, to lead and to reign and to rule... If Jesus has been given this title, this name, this authority, what should he do with it? In his sovereignty, in his lordship, in his kingship, how should he conduct himself? Well, he has decided to rule and reign within us on this earth, and he's done it through giving each and every one of us gifts, right? What a wonderful king, church. What an amazing... How many of you have Joe Biden walking up to you saying, hey, I know that you operate in hospitality real well. And I'd love it if you would come serve at the White House this morning. No, I don't think, I don't know if you could get that sentence out. But other than that, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> that was wrong. That was wrong. I know, whatever. I'll tell you right now, I, I don't have an, I. all I believe is that there should be terms. That's all I'm saying. Like, and limits on age. I don't care about Biden as a person or even Trump as a person. I just want competency. And other than that, am I digging a hole? Shoot, oh my God! oh gosh. Dang it. I really am trying to be impartial here, I'm sorry. It's not, I know. No, but the reality is, we're not going to get that type of care and power given right and relinquished and given to each and every one of us from any man-made ruler here on earth, right? I'm not going to get the president telling me, hey, you know what? I think you have this gift and you should serve in the White House. I'm not going to get anybody here in Olympia coming to me and saying, you know what? I think we could really use that gift of yours here in this government. We don't have that. But when it comes to Jesus, who is the king, the supreme authority, the ruler, the one who is competent in every aspect of life, of in the heavens and And on the earth, he's chosen to rule and reign through us. And he says, I will give you gifts so that you can rule and reign. And he gives you the empowerment to do so. And it says in Ephesians chapter four, verses seven through 12, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men, and saying he ascended what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Man, that's good. That is good because... The grace that was given to each and every one of us according to the measure of Jesus has gift us. He's given us each a measure of gifting, whether it be one of these ministerial gifts found in Ephesians, whether it be one of the uh, manifestation gifts or even motivational gifts. We've done series on these different giftings found within the Bible. Pastor Josh will talk briefly about them even in the journey class if you show up, because we are here to help you also discover your purpose. And I believe in order to know your purpose, you must know the gifts that he's given you. And we have such a good king, a good father in heaven who loves us and who cares about us and who wants his kingdom on uh, from heaven to be also be established on earth, and he's choosing to use us to do it. He is a good father and a good king. And this is what I know most about Jesus and his kingship. I know that every created thing, every person, anything that exists on this, this earth— must bow to King Jesus. Right? Every created thing, every created being, everything that exists on this earth. I mean, if Jesus spoke to the planets, they would have to listen. Amen? If Jesus spoke to the sea, it would have to move or stop. If he speaks to the storm, he can do whatever he wants with it because he has all authority. We already read the scripture. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, every created thing must bow to King Jesus. And in Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11, the Bible says this, therefore God has highly exalted him being Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, amen? every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a lot of authority. And there is a lot of power given to Jesus. And every name should bow to Jesus because every created thing has to bow to Jesus, right? Jesus isn't making everybody bow down because if he does that, there's no love in that, is there? Which is why you don't see like everybody out on the roads just you know, doing the Tim Tebow. <laughs> you, you don't see that because Jesus is not an enforcer. He's not a dictator. He will not, uh, he will not make you bow right now. Did you hear that preface? Because there will be a day that he comes back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But right now we have the liberty, the freedom, the grace given to each and every one of us to choose And we have a decision to whether or not we will allow him to be king and ruler and Lord of our life. What a good king. Are you kidding? me? What king do you know throughout history that it says, yeah, I'll let you go ahead and decide whether or not you want to listen to me. Right? What king does that? Jesus does because he will not pressure you or push you or make you bow to him right now. And I say right now because right now we're still in this, this period of time and still we're still waiting for his second coming. We're still waiting for him to come back to rule and reign and to establish his earthly kingdom. But that will happen one day. And I know, I know with my heart that Jesus is king of my own life personally. He is Lord and he is king. I decided uh, whenever in June of 2009 was, how many years ago was that now? 14? Is that 14? I don't math in public. Somebody help me. <laughs> Two, 14. Yeah, it's 14. Plus one, make it 10. Yep, add three. Good, 14. Okay. But I know he's king of my life. I know he's Lord, and I know he is able to to do things that are outside my comprehension, right? And I've seen knees bowing. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen people healed. I've seen lives changed and transformed because Jesus is king and he is Lord. He is king over sickness and disease. Every name is supposed to bow to the King, King Jesus, Amen. I remember when I when I was in Bible school. I mean, I was so new to the faith. I had only been following Jesus for months, and I decided I'm going to Bible school. I'm going to get a get a degree in theology. I mean, I had no idea like the people that were in the Bible, let alone going to get a degree in theology. But I felt called. I just I knew that I knew that I knew I was in the right place. Right. And I remember the talking about John and I'm like, Well, is that John the Baptist? No, that's the one who wrote the gospel, John. There's more than one John? Oh my gosh. But I didn't care. I didn't care because I wanted people to know that I was the newbie, so that in class I didn't. People didn't think that I knew stuff. I just wanted to be the guy who didn't know anything and was learning everything. And so I raised my hand for everything. And when they didn't know what I was talking, when I didn't know what they were talking about, the teacher would have to talk to me after class. But in Bible school, you do all kinds of crazy stuff because you know usually you're newer in your faith and you just you get all excited and hopped up on Jesus. And next thing you know, after one of our our classes on doing ministry out on the streets, it was evangelism and missionary work, and we decided to go down to the U District. And this story popped into my head because I I went to the Apple Cup yesterday, so I was in that area. And I remember going to the U District one night after one of our missionary evangelism classes because we were like, we're going to walk the streets, and we're going to heal people. I mean, that's really bad theology because it would be Jesus through us healing people. We would just be the conduit, right? The vessel, the instrument in which he would use Can I get an amen, church? And so we decided to go down to the U district, me and my brother Isaac from Uganda. And we were down there and we're walking the streets and we're we're trying to talk with people. And there is the just crazy stuff happening at night down there in Seattle. I don't know if you guys know that or not, right? But even 14 years ago, there's crazy stuff going down in Seattle at night. And I remember just walking the street and just seeing these little encampments and people and people, I mean, very, I mean, it, heartbreaking to see you know people literally just out on their feet like zombies and people laying down in the streets and needing blankets and it was cold because I remember it was it was almost winter time the time in which we went down there and I remember we were started praying for people just asking people if they wanted prayer and we walked up to this one person and I'll never forget it because he was sitting there and I'm pretty sure they were they were smoking who knows what right and they're there and they're talking and then I go up to him and I and I put I put my hand. I said, "Hey, can I pray for you?" And he looked at me, and I had never seen anybody's eyes like this. I felt like I was talking to the devil. I don't know how to explain it, church, because I don't have a lot of these crazy stories, and you know, I'm not I'm not the you know some of the most spiritual people you ever meet are the most down to earth people you'll ever meet, right? And so you're not gonna find me walking around casting demons out of all of you every single day, all right? But I'll tell you, there was something demonic about this person that I had asked to pray for. And he started, he he got angry with me and he started, I just, I couldn't even understand what he was saying. And I didn't know what else to say, church, except for in Jesus' name. And I walked away. (laughs) I just walked away. But guess what? He chilled out. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, right? Every person, every being, every spirit is subject to the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And that is the authority that we get to operate in as believers in Christ. He has not relinquished, but imparted that power into us because we are heirs to the throne church. We are co-heirs, co-laborers with Christ. We have authority that has been given to us because our king in heaven has relinquished and given us authority. And so we have to operate in it. We have to do it. We have to, and even if all it is, is in Jesus' name, walking away. There's a great story. Me and my family, we tell Robin's family of my mother-in-law. She had a little accident and all she said was, Jesus (laughs) going down. And she was all right at the end of the day. (laughs) But the reality is some of us, we call him Lord and we call him King, but we haven't allowed him to rule and reign in every area of our life, right? We say he's King. We say he's Lord. And we say, I put my faith enough into him to believe that my eternity is secure. However, I don't put my trust in him when it comes to my finances. Is he Lord over my finances? Is he king over my finances? I know that's a touchy subject, but it's it's the truth, right? If he's king and if he's Lord, he is king and Lord over every area of my life, right? Have we allowed him to be Lord and king over our marriages, husband and wives, right? Because he is the head, amen? He's supposed to be the head. And if we're not allowing him to be, if if our knee will only bow to him in regard to our salvation, we're missing out on his kingdom on earth. His kingdom come, his will be done on as it is in heaven, right? My salvation, I'm okay. I love knowing that I'm going there, but am I allowing him to rule and reign here? Does my knee bow to the, to the scripture when it comes to my own marriage? Does my knee bow in regard to his word and his rule and his reign when it comes to the addiction that I have in my life? To the substance that I am allowing to lord over me and not allowing Jesus to rule and reign over me, right? Because some of us were so content in bowing the knee for our salvation because we're like, yeah, I'm cool with knowing where I'm going, but I'm not cool with allowing him to take the driver's seat right now. And so some of us were so hesitant to allow him into all the different aspects of our life that we've only made him king over salvation. We haven't allowed him to rule and reign as king in the individual areas of our life, like our marriage, like our friendships, like our parenting, parents, you know, his word is so rich in parenting and the instruction and in how we're supposed to raise our kids up. But if we don't allow him to rule and reign in our parenting, then who else is ruling and reigning? Where else is the advice coming from? Who else is your Lord? Is it that one podcast that you listen to or that one psychologist that you listen to because they know everything? Right? Because if we're not taking the word of God and applying it to our life, we're now making somebody or something else more of a Lord more of a king and having more authority to speak into our life than we are Jesus. And so we have to allow Jesus to rule and reign in every aspect of our heart, in every aspect of our mind, in every aspect of our life. Is he king over your business, church? Not on. Not everybody has a business, but that that's a very that's a statement made for those of you who are small business owners. Is he king? Is he lord? Right? Are you, are we treating the employees well? And so I bring this up not as a way to condemn. It's if anything, it's so that the Holy Spirit can move and convict us this morning because there are areas of our life that we haven't surrendered to Jesus. There's areas in our life where we just need Him to rule and reign because we can't make decisions anymore. Because some of you, you're at your wits end, you're at, you're at the last straw, right? One more, one more straw and it's gonna break the back, right? One more statement from that person and I'm going to go off. Some of us are, we are at our wits end, we're at the end of the rope, we're hanging on because we have tried making decisions on our own or from the authority of other people in our life, but we haven't even allowed access to Jesus as King to rule and reign and have a voice in our heart. It's interesting because from I don't know what it is, but it's easy for me to look to the future and eternity with Jesus and be secure in knowing that that's where I'm headed. But then when I I park myself right here and right now you know and you look at your neighbor and you look at your household and you look at your work and you look at the school that your kids are going to and you look around and you can't help but think, oh my gosh. I need help, right? But you know Jesus is there, that he's got you eternity, that you're secure, that you're all right. But some of us don't have the faith to believe that he could actually help us right now, right? And if he is good, because he's intrinsically good, right? He's inherently good. He's eternally good. He's infinitely good. It's who he is. It's in his nature. It's in his character. It's his being. It's who he is. He is a good God, and therefore he is a good king. And right now, Even though your salvation is intact, he's not going to hit the back of your knee and make you bow to him in that area of your life when it comes to that dependency that you have on that other person or that dependency that you have on that substance. He's not going to come in and he's not going to kick your knees out and make you bow down and start praying to him when your marriage is in the rut. He's not going to do any of that. And some of us, that's why we wonder, God, where are you? Because he's not a dictator. But some of us, I know right here, right now, we are wondering and we are needing that encounter with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are needing him in that area of your life and you want him to rule and reign, but the only way for him to rule and reign is for you to relinquish the authority that you've taken over that area of your life. And give it to him, because the moment you relinquish the authority and the control and all the decision making and trying to make everything right and be better, and you can do it on your own, the moment you relinquish that control, you allow Jesus to take the control of your life. There's that the Jesus Take the Wheel song. Just start singing that, because once you allow Him to start taking the wheel, once you allow Him to start working in your life, you are no longer depending on yourself. You're depending on the King of Kings, the one who has made the heavens and the earth, the one who formed you and fashioned you inside your mother's room, the one who knows you inside and out, who has given you every gift that you have to operate within the kingdom of God. He loves you so much and he cares so much about you that he will even allow you to make your own decision. But at the end of the day, the best decision you can make is to say, Lord, be king and be Lord over my life. Be king and be Lord over my finances, Jesus. Be king and be Lord over. Over my kids, help me be a better parent. I relinquish control in this area of my life and I allow you now to rule and reign forever. There's a a good theologian by the name of N. T. Wright, some of you might know that name. He has this idea and concept about the kingdom of God and his kingship. He says the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. Amen? Because it is. He is not some vacant God. He is not some some distant God who doesn't care about us now, who is not functioning in our lives on a day-to-day basis. He is a God who is actively working through the power of his Holy Spirit right here and right now. And we know that the kingdom of God is not yet, because we will also know in see his glory one day when he comes back to establish the new heavens and the new earth. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 54 through 56, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. We have the victory, church, because he is still ruling and reigning now and one day to come. And today is the day where we get to make the decision and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior, as King of our life. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe so you can receive these new messages as soon as they're available. Also, I just wanna take a moment and thank all of you who are part of Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages online, it's because of you that we're able to reach people locally and around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of the church, make sure you click the link in the description. To help us continue to spread the good news, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe. Have a blessed day.